Welcome everybody to episode 37 of SB on Pearl and Friends. Almost two months since we did our last podcast, but here we are, just in time for Top 25 Davidson while we're recording, even though we know that they're going to drop out of the Top 25, but that's okay. We're not going to mention that, but we're playing Davidson. Big game. We need to get the mojo back. We're coming back here. Little Bot X here with SB Unfurled. Unfurled. It's been a little bit of an up and down week. How you feeling? Um, I man, this week like we were talking before the podcast. You said this week's been kind of like a microcosm of the whole season. You mentioned. I mean, we haven't yeah. put one of these out for. We, we you did the spaces after the VCU game, but a real podcast we haven't done in like a month and a half. And a month of that time, we weren't even playing basketball. So really, the right. last the last few weeks, we've gotten back into it. Um, we just haven't really found a found a good time to to wedge one in there. You asked me how I'm feeling about this week. Um, good to see us get back to basics against St. Joe's. We did what we do best when we're winning. Um, there was some good things that I saw, but like. It, it it's kind of like the VCU game. VCU is much better than St. Joe's, but I thought, you know, wow, we played so well against VCU. We're back, you know, after that long COVID pause. Yeah, we were rusty against LaSalle, but that that was because we were off for a month. We're really back. We're going to start to roll. And then we played Dayton and got our asses kicked by a bunch of freshmen. So I, right. I am like optimistic about some of the things I saw against St. Joe's, but I need to see it against a team like Davidson or Richmond or a St. Louis. And luckily four of our next five games are against those three teams. So like February is a gauntlet. We have nine games in February. That's without a possible GW reschedule. So two, two games a week um, we're playing St. Louis back to back in February, kind of like we did against Davidson last year. I'm excited. February is going to be crazy. If you've written this team off of at large talk, I do understand why, but I'm telling you, we are not dead. The doomsday clock on our season might be at 60 seconds to midnight, but it is not over. Um, if we I, put together, I think the run, problem, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the problem with the whole at large conversation is everybody sees all these performances where when we lose, we lose by like, 15 to 20 points like mm-hmm. i forgot the exact score of the george mason game i think it was like nine right the uh, final score was like nine points Let me it say. was 75 yeah, 66 it, yeah yep 75 66 but that felt like a 15 point loss i mean we were down as many by right. by 19 yeah but like i guess the point is that like yeah we are still hanging around and our resume is mm-hmm. actually not terrible it's actually way better than a 90 something frank team and ken palm should be yeah but it's the way we're losing. When we lose, we get absolutely obliterated. Like we, we don't have any. Do we even have any like, like other than that one game against George Mason? There's no single digit losses. We lost to Northern Iowa by ten. Yeah, which that was nineteen at one point. Mm-hmm. Connecticut was ten. That was a little closer. Virginia Tech we lost by thirty seven. Dayton we lost by eighteen. Like we we yeah. don't lose these games by like nail biter margins like as much as we don't want it to hurt our hearts like at least it would be more reputable and i think that's why our our metrics get all skewed because yeah we don't really have any catastrophic losses but it's the way we've lost some of these games so and it's our it just gets 
it's it's Go really ahead. it comes down if we're comparing like this year to last year because record wise right now if you're listening to this before the Davidson game we have played 17 games this season last year's regular season was 17 games it's like an NFL season right yeah. 17 games um, and it was a bullshit season because yeah. we had like we had like eight day pauses like every time yeah. whereas this season we're not going to have more than two day breaks before games. Like it's going to be fast yeah. flying. And we still have a George Washington game. We still got to schedule somewhere. And that's not good for a a team that's last in the nation again in bench minutes. But we can get into that <laughs> no. later. But what if we're talking about the metrics? Like the biggest difference this year is the defense. Believe it or not, as bad as our offense has been, as bad as like those the two games against Dayton and Virginia Tech might weigh down our offensive metrics because we were 10 yeah. of 46 from three in those two games and only shot 34% from the field. Um, believe it or not, our offense is actually more efficient than last year's offense by a little bit. Um, right. It's just uh, it ticked up a tiny bit. The defense is the problem. We were seventh in the country in points um, against last year in defense. We were only giving up 61 points a game. This year, we're like right in the middle of the pack. We're just an average defensive team this year, um, giving up 68 points a game. So we're giving up seven more points a game. That's a big difference to make up. And I just think that last year, when we were very inconsistent offensively, we were still winning because our defense was winning us games and people kind of forgot about it. I mean, we talked a little bit about like Lofton's three-point shooting last year and stuff, but winning those games and playing such good defense kind of masked how inconsistent and average you were offensively last year. Um, our offense has stepped up, though, this season. That's the it thing. Ha- it's like it's, our offense yeah. has gotten better, but I think it's become at the detriment of our defense, like you were saying. Yeah, and, and that's what if, – if we're going to talk a little bit about St. Joe's, we took less threes against St. Joe's than we have all year. Now, is that by design? Is that conscious? Are we um, are we doing that by design, or is it more that's what the defense was giving us? Um, you got to answer that question because I did not watch the St. Yeah. Joe's game. Is it more that I did not watch the St. Joe's game. I will just say that up the front. So you have to analyze the St. Joe's game for us. Yeah, I, I just I don't. <laughs> know. I just couldn't watch it. Sorry, guys. I don't know if it's by design or if Schmidt told them, "Hey, cut back on the threes," or if the players themselves are more apprehensive. I I don't want us as bad as we've been from three. I don't want us only shooting seven threes a game. Like, if you're going to no. be a good college basketball team, it's just the way the sport is now. You got to be able to to shoot threes and hit at a decent clip. Um, if we can double that, maybe shoot, you know, 12, 13, 14 threes a game. If you're wide open from three, you should be taking it. I remember like Attaway passing up an open three in the first half. He played very well uh, against St. Joe's, but he was passing up some threes. So um, I'm not going to complain because we got back to what we do best. We were controlling the tempo. We were attacking the rim downhill, um, driving and kicking or getting to the line. Like Holmes was doing a great job getting into the lane. He had a couple rough right. games, but he was really back to the the Jaron Holmes that we saw like in Charleston and, and against some of the other teams this year, driving and kicking it to Welch in the perimeter, driving and getting fouled. Um, the, the, that's when we're at our best. Uh, crisp ball movement, making the extra pass, letting our defense get us out into transition. Um, It just seemed like when we're in those ruts against Mason or Dayton or Virginia Tech or whatever, it's like ISO ball and it's um, 
forcing it into the lane. Four guys standing around in the perimeter, not really moving. Uh, and last year, what I thought we did so well was like, especially Attaway would get into the lane and really mess up defensive schemes. He would cut baseline and get alley-oops. He would get into the middle of zones and hit that mid-range jumper when he was getting it as a pass. Now it seems like when we're not looking good offensively, it's a lot of iso ball. It's like five individuals where these guys have played so long together that it should just be team basketball. But I don't know. Um, I don't, I honestly, I, at this point, I can't say offense is, is the biggest issue. Like if you look at, if you look at the statistics, like Dayton and George Mason played last Saturday or the Saturday before the score is 50 to 49. We gave up. Oh God, I was on I was on Dayton minus four, and they, yeah. they screwed us. We gave up or screwed me <laughs> seventy eight and seventy five points against those teams, and our offense was right around where it should have been, but we were just giving up way too many points. So, right. um, when we're good on defense, we're disrupting you know the offense's rhythm. We're forcing bad looks or uh, altering shots, forcing turnovers. Um, it hasn't been enough. <laughs> enough of that at all. Like, it seems like we're just chasing the ball around the perimeter. Mason especially did a fantastic job of getting the ball down low to Oduro, who's maybe the most skilled offensive big man, probably in the, in the a 10, we were doubling him down in the post and Chucky wrote an article about this and he would just kick it, out, your boy. kick it out and they would swing it around the perimeter and we were just chasing the ball. Um, it just seemed like we were a step late in some of those games. We just got to get back to, whatever it was that hair on fire defense that people are talking about that, that we saw last year. If we are going to do that though, it has to start now because the best offensive team, probably in the conference, one of the top 20 offense in the country is coming to the Riley center in Davidson. I think we're bearing the lead on what happened on Saturday. We are. Yes. About St. Joe's. Cause the only highlight I saw was our man, Marcus Green with his shorts. Yep. And there has been a lot of misinformation, a lot of just terrible things said online and different rumors. Mm-hmm. Can we put these to bed about the shorts? Because the shorts he were ho- he was holding were not technically the same shorts in the picture, the meme that we've all seen. Right. So yeah. as our resident uniformatologist, I guess yep. is the name. Um, please describe it because I know the answer, but go ahead. Please it's, describe what happened. There's some fake news going around. I I can I Thank will you. say if there's one thing I know stuff about, it's Bana like uniform history and you know, stuff like that. It's I'm like the politifact of Saint Bonaventure uniforms. So what what <laughs> what questions do you have for me, and I'll answer. Shorts shorts on fire instead yeah. of pants on fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I, I guess first off, it's the the most easy one is he wasn't holding up the same shorts as he was wearing in the meme. He was not because it, it it's it's an easy fact because there's an A10 logo on his hip in the original picture, and then the shorts from Saturday. There's a Bonnie's logo, yeah, like near the knee, and there wasn't a Bonnie's logo. And the trim is different, and it's possible the athletic department burned every piece of clothing from the Solomon era. So we don't have sh- those shorts anymore for him to wear. <laughs> yes. You know? So yes, you are correct. The shorts in the, in the famous picture um, of maybe my favorite guard in Bonnet history, 
are from his senior season in 2004. And the ones he brought out on Saturday are from his freshman, sophomore, junior season, 01 to 03. And we had some good teams in, in that span. But um, I love Marcus Green. And I will say, I didn't tell you this before the, the recording. I talked to Marcus Green after the game at Angie's. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he was wow. there with his family, enjoying <laughs> uh, enjoying a nice nice Italian dinner. Um, I don't know how it compares to the dinners that he had when he was uh, dominating in Italy playing basketball, but um, I I pretty much just told him, like, Marcus Green is now on the internet most known for the shorts, but people, if you haven't seen him or you weren't a Bona fan back when he played, the most electrifying Bonnie that I have ever seen. Um, about 5'6", quickest tight handle incredible led the nation in steals a senior season was like he's just a scoring machine we would go on the road and upset teams only because of him certain times uh and he like just go look up highlights if you haven't seen him before there's a lot even from his pro days but i told him all of that the points the steals the assists the the wins that he had in his in his first couple seasons all that pales in comparison to the fact that he stuck with the Bonnies through some very, very dark times. Other guys quit. Right. Guys quit. Guys left. Guys like uh, Mike Gansey left. Fine, whatever. Pretty much his entire team around him left, and he stayed. And he knew we were going to suck, and he could have literally went from Philly, could have went. I think Villanova wanted him his senior year could have went there, could have picked almost any program in the country to go to. He stayed with the Bonnies, knowing that we were probably not going to be good at all. Um, and I told him that that loyalty means more to us than any of the points or the the steals or anything. Um, and he, I believe, is the only Bonnie dating back to like the World War II era to have played for three different coaches. Um, so there's a fun fact okay. for you. And I don't, wow. and you will never see that in today's college basketball game. Um, usually if a coach leaves guys out the door immediately, even if the coach stays, I mean, the transfer portal is out of control. Marcus green knew it was going to be a shitty situation. Knew he was on his third coach in four years and Anthony Solomon and stuck with us and played his senior season here. And that loyalty is, is really, it's, it's rare these days. The five guys on our team now have stayed, but you know, there's, there's Schmidt who is still there. It would be much different if they were on their third coach in four years, probably. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what we, we, I, I talked to him about a little bit. Um, so that's what I remember Marcus Green for. That's wonderful because people get so caught up with the one picture of the shirts or the shorts. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just wonderful to hear that because, He's a great dude, yeah. And he acknowledged what happened. It's not like he did anything wrong. All that happened is that like he got blood in his original shorts, and then yeah. that's why he had to wear those baggy ass shorts. Yep. In his um either freshman or sophomore years. I don't remember what then, year it was. Where I think it was the Mc- Tracy McGrady's draft season. But if you go back and look at some of the suits in the NBA draft from like the early two thousands of that era, they're massive. The pants are huge and it's just exact opposite now like guys are in track shorts so it's so funny well it's funny we're we're in a group chat and i was sending pictures like how did this happen this whole idea of 
all of a sudden, like, every basketball player is wearing skinny shorts. Like, I'm not trying to be old man shouts at cloud here. Like, I'm not upset with the transition mm-hmm. from baggy shorts to short shorts. It's just funny how it happened. It, it, it didn't really, like, it just happened casually because, like, I saw a picture in 2016 when we got snubbed of, like, not just Dion, right, but Taki and yeah. other players. Oh, yeah. Like, with, like, pretty baggy shorts. And then I see a picture in 2018, us celebrating on the court after beating UCLA. And, like, everybody's got, like, pretty skinny shorts on. And mm-hmm. so it's, like, it's just, where did this happen? Like, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds stupid, but we're talking about fashion in terms of basketball. And it's, like, I don't know, it just seems silly. And it's, like, it got, it got even worse, mm-hmm. like, if you go back to 2004, 2003, 2002. But it's just funny to talk about it now because, like, everybody, like, I forgot if it was you or somebody else told me about, like, Taylor Funk's, his shorts, like, on Saturday. Oh, yeah. They were basically, like, like nut huggers. No offense. <laughs> Quad- Kaji Adams, too. I mean, his are probably shorter than Funk's. But... Well, hey, emphasis on the quad and quadri. Yeah. Like, he, maybe he's showing off his quads. So shout out to him. <laughs> it's weird, though. It's like basketball <laughs> is the only of the major sports that uniforms do fluctuate so drastically. Like, hockey is always – the uniforms have always looked the same. Um Size wise, like football, you got the the tight right. pants and the jerseys, pretty much similar. They used to have the huge shoulder. Although shoulder I will pads, say, in, in the NFL, crop tops and like shorter sleeves have gotten more in vogue. Yeah, and the equipment has gotten smaller too, like the shoulder pads and the just the aesthetics of the equipment. But baseball yeah, well, still pretty similar. That might also be to, that might also be to encourage players not to treat themselves as human missiles. But that's an NFL problem. Yeah, it's a basketball podcast, right? Be- right. Yeah, <laughs> but but basketball fluctuates so crazy. Like it's it's crazy how the the style fluctuates. I think it kind of parallels or mirrors the style of you know actual fashion and formal attire. Suits aren't suits are usually much smaller fitting now than they were in the early two thousand. So you know the the style and right. athletics also changes. Um, but I man in. 10 15 years maybe we'll get another cycle back to the huge shorts and maybe marcus green son i would love it wear huge shorts i would love it because i i look back on the the like the shot of um of jordan gathers hitting that three in my senior year massive 2014 massive shorts i worry because this is eight years ago and we're starting to get into uh the old timers back in my day type of thing (laughs) but man i just feel nostalgic for that kind of thing um I still like how sleek the uniforms look now, but it's just it's just funny to see how things have evolved and like nobody really blinked. Like I get that the Marcus Green shorts thing is a drastic situation where some dude's shorts were hitting his ankles, mm-hmm. but it's also like it kind of explains the whole or kind of like shows the whole trend of the uniforms in college basketball for the last five to seven years where it's gone from mad baggy shorts to basically like cross country running shorts out of nowhere. Maybe it's not like nobody, nobody said like, it wasn't like Drake or Kevin Durant. Like nobody like stepped out and like, Oh, short shorts are cool now. Right. Let's do this. And then everybody did it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Hey, you know what? Muscles are muscles. Like show off your leg muscles, like arm muscles, if you want to. But um, because that did, it's just surprising how it happened around that time. You're talking surprising. about like 2016 or whenever. Like whenever Odell Beckham was drafted, he had the the frosted tips. Every like 
five players on every college basketball team had the Odell Beckham hairdo. Like Derek Woods on our team had the hairdo. And like <laughs> yes. everyone had the hairdo. That was Odell Beckham probably, you know, being the influencer there. But yeah, you're right. Like no one ever came out and just no no famous basketball player ever just walked out in 2008 with like tiny shorts on or in that, you know, it maybe. But it was funny because I remember seeing some early 2010s Syracuse teams with like some really like um, on the top, like jerseys that were really sleek and like tight fitting yeah and i thought it was so weird and yep. like they were kind of ugly and it's also syracuse so fuck syracuse but that's another point for another day but like it didn't seem like it matched with their shorts and then it, uh, yes. i guess like kind of like maybe syracuse wasn't the first ones but I like i don't that. know i just remember that that was, that was like the eric devendorf the very yeah very yeah, yeah tight, the oh nine the six overtime game tight yeah, yeah, jerseys yeah. but asshole. like wide shoulders and then they had the very baggy shorts really weird style yeah. I think maybe the baggy clothes are the outlier because all the way up to like the early two thousands it was pretty small tight fitting stuff and now we're back to that maybe we won't ever get back to the baggy shorts although we have to watch out for uh, SBU TV they tweeted at you about an interview they got with Marcus Green yeah. That's... With with the shorts, and I don't know what exactly they're going to uncover that's new, because he talked on a podcast because he's from Philly, mm-hmm. um, some Philly basketball podcast. I wish I could drop the name of it, but he talked about the shorts game when he had to replace the shorts, and that's how he or like, oh yeah, he got blood in his shorts yeah. and had to replace them with these big ass shorts because there was nothing else left for him. <laughs> the blood but i want to i want to hear about like i want to hear about like what else he had to do so hopefully you know my fam at sbu tv gives us some good stuff this week yeah i think they will it's always nice and green looks i mean he still looks like he's in his 20s like he he looks like he could get out there right now and keep playing i might have to get a hold of him for the tbt um but definitely hey (laughs) davidson up next huge game um big yes. picture february is an absolute gauntlet um it usually is in the a10 but february is historically when schmidt's teams have really started hitting their stride so we'll see if if we can kick that off against davidson um nine games in february like i said and i mean man, i would say there's... 10 i would say 10 because they're probably going to try that reschedule that george yeah. mason game somewhere february i would think like otherwise we're going to finish with 17 games yeah like, uh if i, mean, I would teams prefer, are... i would prefer not to play george mason or george right. washington yeah because... well, there's nothing to gain right but no um so we have man davidson really kind of stole our thunder i would say this season as far as like now they're the new darling of the a10 and every time you have like a Eh, every well they beat alabama on the road they were for they were up until they lost to vcu the other day but like every time there's a unanimous number one preseason team people the other fans are always always waiting and itching to be that first one to say well nope we got a new number one we got a new number one bonnies are no longer number one it's davidson and that happened a few weeks ago people put davidson and they rightfully so they've been playing really good up until a few games ago but they just they have four or five really really good players and 
if it was if it was a different team, I would still feel bad about it. But knowing that it's Davidson and how they always play when they come to the Riley Center, we're going to have to come out all 40 minutes with with a, a really good performance to beat this team. There's literally nothing I care about with this Davidson matchup except how are we going to defend a three. Yeah. There's nothing else I care about. I don't care about how we do an offense. I don't care about Oshun rebounding. I don't care about him blocking shots. How do we defend the three? Because if we defend the three, we'll do well. Because Davidson shot like, oh, I want to say like seven or eight threes against VCU. I was watching that game. They they shot a very low number of threes. I'm filibustering as I look it up. That was it, huh? But they shot a very low number of threes compared to what they normally do, and they lost to VCU at home. And yeah. so are they just going to fire? Because honestly, if I were Bob McKillop watching the, the Bonnie's tape, you don't shoot a single two-pointer against us. Like, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you shoot a single two-pointer against us when we give up so many wide-open threes and your team is so good at shooting threes? Not only just because of, you know, the whole Steph Curry bullshit, but, like, Foster Lawyer is incredible at shooting threes. Yeah. And so is uh, Mike Jones. And, Mc, and I'm looking at them. They were, they were three is... for they were three and Hyung Jun Lee too. We know about him. Yeah, they were three for fourteen shooting threes against VCU. Yeah, I feel like that's a mad low number for it them. Is. And they were three of thirteen against Fordham. Um, and Fordham, right. they Davidson hasn't looked great the last three games. They haven't looked like a ranked team. I would say they really struggled against LaSalle. They lost to VCU and they really struggled against Fordham as well. Right. Um, but we know what happens when they come to the Riley Center. And Bob McKillop's exactly. off, that, that offense that they run is so crisp. It's it's just a well-oiled machine. They have guys all over the floor who can shoot it. They know where they're supposed to be. They're, it's such a great offense that they run. And then if by chance we play 25 seconds of really good D and they don't have anything, they can dump it down low to Brakovich. And he's so good inside, like very efficient inside. Right. Um, that's going to be a really tough matchup for Oshun. Those guys have gone back and forth over. I, they're the same class. I think they're both seniors. I remember since their freshman year, they've they've had some battles. Oshun's gotten his number a few times, but Brakovich, I feel like he's just taken a step every season, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's going to be tough for Oshun. And God forbid he gets into foul trouble because we, we got to have him out there. Well, I guess the reason why I thought uh, George Mason torched us is because Josh Oduro drew a lot of attention down low and we started doubling on him. Yeah. And then he started kicking out to open three point shooters and they kept drilling. Yeah. Because open three point shots are, you know, wide open. They're easy to wide. hit. They, George Mason was so, wide so, open. So do you think we even try to double Reykjavich? Because I don't think we should because – in the past, like Oshun has done more than fine against him. Like our problems against Davidson have not been with Breakovich. So yeah, let that dude try to back him down, and if he torches him a couple times, okay, whatever. Yeah, what think? I, I think we still will. I mean, we doubled uh, Obina, Obina of St. Joe's, who's not half the offensive player that Brakovich is. We are still doubling him, and St. Joe's has shooters around the perimeter. Funk and, and Hall and Reynolds was going off. Um, so you want to test Davidson on that challenge? On that same th- – you want to test Davidson on that same strategy of, like, 
letting them just like have wide open shooters because no, no i i don't want to double the post and i've been saying this like i i've been saying this since like it killed us against st louis last year you i mean you can do it successfully and that I, we have done it successfully a lot um but when we're gas and they kick it back out and they there's a team that can move the ball around the perimeter really well that's when it gets us like that's that's what mason did um Dayton did it very well. Brea went off against us. Um, and Davidson's going to have a hot hand. All, all four guys I don't think are going to be cold from three. They'll, they'll find the hot hand, and McKillop will find a way to to make it work. Um, we're going to have to just be efficient offensively. I, I feel like we kind of grinded out those two games against them last year. I think this year the games will be a little more high scoring. So how do we win this game? That's a, like that's. I, I, I'm assuming – I'm assuming that, you know, they're just going to drill a bunch of threes. We're going to be lackadaisical on off on defense. And, you know, maybe it's like a 92 to 78 type game where they just drilled a shit ton of threes. But how do we actually I, win this game? I really hope we don't give up 92 points in a game. Um, I mean, have you seen Davis in scoring? I'm not <laughs> I'm not rooting for it. I'm just saying, like, yeah. how they how they do it. Yeah, they scored. They scored over 90 a couple times. Well, one was against a, a D2 or D3 school, but um, against well, a team like Richmond, they put up 87 threes. against Richmond. They put up 88 against St. Joe's, uh, yeah. 79 against Alabama, who's I think is pretty good at D. Um, I would say I would say our three-point defense is as terrible as Richmond and St. Joe's. So. Yeah. I, 90 I th- is very possible with the pace. And VCU is one of the, if not the best, literally – the best defensive team in the entire country. Um, and Davidson scored 60, 70 to 68. Davidson scored 68 points. Um, so, I mean, I would imagine they're going to probably get up into the high 70s against us. Can we keep that pace? Um, How do we actually beat Davidson? Because it seems like it's a pretty impossible task right now. Yeah, it's a good question. I think my thing, my main thing right now is – Lofton um, for a stretch there, especially against Virginia Tech. I mean, there, I give him a ton of credit for playing against Virginia Tech, but he was nowhere near even 50% for that game. It looked like, um, but he's tough and he wanted to give it to a go and Schmidt let him. Right. I thought like, I did think he looked better against St. Joe's like athletically with the ankle date against Dayton. You could tell it was still like hampering him a little bit, even against like Duquesne and Mason. You felt like, that explosiveness wasn't there that it that was there before the injury. Like I went back and watched the Boise state game earlier today. His explosiveness was just, it was apparent that it was so much different and it looked like he was finally getting back to that because if we're going to beat a team like Davidson, we're going to have to keep up with them offensively and our offense just doesn't work when Lofton can't like create, he can't get into the lane. He can't get by his man. Um, on, on, on most possessions. And that's kind of what we saw when he was hampered a little bit. So I think hopefully he's getting back to hundred percent. It was also really good to see Holmes get back in his groove because he's had some, some of our best games of the season, especially in like Charleston. Um, yeah. He was, he was really good against St. Joe's. So if we can get that, that guard play, get both of those guys back um, like they were, you know, we've been saying it, let's get back to how we were in Charleston. Let's get back. And it seems like we look like maybe for one game we are, and then we get knocked down. So is this going to be that? Are we going to look like we're pretty good against St. Joe's and then get immediately knocked down? 
I don't know. If not, it's going to be – we just need better offensive guard play. Is That's, that's I think, the key. If we can – if we can keep up with them offensively and, you know, not miss so many assignments on the perimeter, a lot to ask against a team like Davidson, one of the best motion three point shooting teams in the country. Um, not a good matchup for us, but, uh, I, I won't, I'll say like after last season, beating them back to back, hopefully these guys have some confidence because whatever it is with Dayton, we just can't, we just can't figure it out. But I, yeah, winning there is always tough, and it's hard yeah. to like hold that against them. Although the loss, like the, the point differential, is tough. My thing with with Davidson is the way that they are able to distribute the points because it's not just Foster Lawyer, it's not just Young Jun Lee. Like Brekovich has been decent, but he's okay. But I look at like Mike Jones, who Mike Jones, <laughs> he's still Sam and Enga. yeah. Nelson, yep. Bo- Nelson Bociotum. Yeah. <laughs> right. I look at them and like they're they're able to like create offense and it's just it's just scary to me because I've seen so many times when we have given up so many garbage threes to teams. And oh yeah. If you're gonna do it against Davidson, like what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And like some of those games it looked like we were playing four against six or something. Like not it just looked like the defense we were playing against, our offense was so stagnant for stretches. It looked like Dayton had six guys out there at times. You right. know? Um, and against Mason, it looked like they had six guys out there in offense sometimes. And it's a tall order to to have to do it now against Hyung Jung Lee. And, I mean, Brockovich has been playing great this year. But Foster Lawyer and Hyung Jung Lee and, and Mike Jones, I like – I'm worried about it. Like they, those are guys that can absolutely kill us, uh, obviously. So not going to be an easy task, but Schmidt's got to be instilling that game seven mindset in them that hopefully it clicks with them. We can hope and pray that it, it, that it does like it did in 2018 um, because our season was lost that year. And those guys turned it around um, right. around this time. And we're we able beat them to, twice last year. Yeah. Back to back. Yep. And it's funny, like how it works. I think they just look so much better without Kellen Grady out there. Uh, but <laughs> Ewing um, theory, yeah. So we'll see. It, it's a, it's a going to be a great matchup down low between Ocean and Brockovich. Hopefully, the refs can let the boys play um, because I know VCU fans were appalled at some of the fouls that were getting called in Davidson's favor in that game. Um, they still so, won. And it shouldn't even been that close. Right. I know it came yeah. down to a last second bullshit charge, but it shouldn't have even come down to that. Like VC was in control of that entire game. Yeah. Like I bet on Davidson and I was surprised it was still alive at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like what the line is to uh, on this one. Um, yeah. I, we're going to be I'll at give, home. It's probably going to be Davidson so, two and a half. Man. I and, guess. And, and Ken Palm has us winning by one 72, 71, 53% chance. So yeah, no. man, it could, it could even be a pick em, like a coin flip. Uh, God damn it. As a bills fan, that just really stung. I didn't realize <laughs> that was going to happen. I just 13 it, seconds you know. as our, as our resident chiefs slash Bengals fan here. They, uh, we did have, a <laughs> I am happy about match. all the outcomes. Well, the, yeah, you're a, uh, I don't know what you are. What, I don't know what, what I mean. I'm an NFL fan. anarchist. I'm an anarchist. Yeah. So we did have we did have questions though, and one of them was who's winning. We the had Super a million. Bowl. We had a million questions. Do you want to get to those quickly? Yeah. 
Yeah. Since we're talking about the NFL, who's winning the Super Bowl? I only know that the Bengals are in it. I have no idea what's well, going right on. Right now, we are, we, are, we are recording, and there is 11 minutes and 20 seconds left in the third quarter. It is San Francisco 10, LA 7. Yes. We already know that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I need and man. I don't give a shit who wins this game. I'm rooting for the Bengals. I don't I give a do. shit. I want a nineteen eighty nine Bengals forty ers Super Bowl rematch. That's such a cool like yeah. If it's not gonna be my team, that's a team I want. I wasn't even going to watch the stupid Super Bowl if the Chiefs were Yeah, in you were. I was Super not. I was not. I, I I was I have I have skipped Super Bowls in the past. And I would gladly do it again. And I want Bengals 49ers. And I, I don't care who wins it at that point. No, I, I got a couple of close people who uh, who like the, the Bengals, surprisingly. <laughs> From an uh, Oshuni family member, what's your favorite butchered up version of Oshuni? Oh, oh Alex said this one. Oh, my God. It's, um, I know mine. I know mine. And I actually... There yeah. was one. There was one against... Um, I think it was against Dayton this year when he when when they said O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy, okay. It 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 wasn't exactly O'Shaughnessy, but it sounded like O'Shaughnessy. What about you? I like I like when they add the extra N and they go with the Oshanini. <laughs> Oshanini. It sounds like it's like, the, like a tase. It's yeah. like they they have it right, but then they get tased in the middle of it. Yeah, it's like the Oshanini. Osh- <laughs> Oshanini. That was the guy in um when we played in La Roche PA against Duquesne last year. Oh week. god, that game. He kept getting it so wrong. And then uh just the the mispronunciation, like sometimes they'll get the letters in the right order, but they'll put emphasis on the wrong syllable. It's very frustrating that the defensive player of the year, who is now a senior on a a national broadcast. These guys can't figure it out. Um, and it's he plays completely like apparent on the on the. Uh, it's completely apparent on the uh, roster sheet. Yeah, I mean, like it's on the if website. You're, if you're you click on his profile, on... you see it. Oh yeah, you can click the speaker on on the on gobonis.com. It's a great asset that you would think people broadcasting on national TV would take advantage of because they know they're going to be saying this guy's name. It's not like he is buried on the depth chart and never plays. <laughs> right. Other guys. Uh, and next year we're going to have even more difficult names to pronounce probably. Um, but yeah. Ocean yeah, transfer. Oceanini. That, that was. Oceanini. Um, why doesn't Schmidt try playing Oshun and Kulabali at the same time? He's just not going to do it. Uh, he's got his rotation. Well, he why likes... would he? Why would he? Because a friend of mine, he sent this to me in the DM, and he and he said the reason why, like people keep saying, like, oh, why doesn't Koulibaly play more? And like, look, I want Koulibaly to get spot minutes. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but why doesn't Koulibaly play more than he has gotten? And my friend said this, yeah. and he wanted to shout this from the mountaintops, but he couldn't. He said, literally, shout it from the mountaintops. So, here I am. He doesn't play defense! There you go. Is that 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 clear to you guys? He doesn't play defense. If you want to play for Schmidt, you got to do that. I'm 
Koulibaly had some flashes even against St. Joe's down low. Good footwork, nice pump fakes, good moves around the basket. Has a good mid-range shot. You're right. Defense is lacking a little bit. Oduro, um, I, I feel like he played a little bit against Oduro and it didn't go too well. Um, some foul trouble, too, is – but, yeah, he's not going to play him at the same time. That's not what he's ever done. Schmidt, it, it was – I, I was surprised to see a true rotation against St. Joe's where Adams came in for um, Attaway and then right. Attaway was coming to the bench and I go, oh, Attaway's coming back in for for Adams because he just went out for him. But no, Attaway came in for Welch and so Ad- it was an actual rotation. That's, that's very rare for Schmidt. It's usually just like the position comes in and then you go back out um, for the same guy. Next question. Here we go. Oh, if you start an all-time Bana basketball team, who gets the starting power forward? Assuming Lanier is the pick at center, would you take Nicholson or Oshun? Uh, well, this this one is a no-brainer. I would take Andrew Nicholson. He's 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 maybe the best overall player I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, maybe other than Ovi Toppin, one of the best Atlantic Ten players I've ever seen. Uh, and h- having him down low with Big Bob would be it'd be killer, and also Shun isn't really a power forward. Maybe if this was like the NBA and he could stretch out and shoot, Bob Big Bob could shoot. But I would take Nicholson uh, as my start at power forward. Why? Oh, my man, starter. My starter would be Josh Ianni. I just to piss you all off. Uh, Chinoso Aboko. No, Ianni. Ianni was actually good, but yeah, he, well, Boko didn't know Boko play like two good. minutes. Like at least Ianni actually played. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so does that mean does that mean uh, Ikpizi was your uh, your center? Or is Oshun your center? Amadi the Bonnie. Um, for what? For my all time basketball team? Yeah. Big Bob, I would say Lanier. If I had to do a whole, I would have to think about it, man. But Stiff Nicholson and Lanier are on there for sure. I guess I I'm thinking think Lanier about. wouldn't be a center in, in uh, 21st century basketball because oh. he was a center back in the day. Yeah, well, he was. Yeah, he would, he would still be a center, I think. Um, why does Lil Bon X think he's a better coach than Mark Schmidt? Yes, I do. I why? officially think I'm a better coach <laughs> than, than Mark they Schmidt. They didn't specify, though, because you're talking about coaching soccer or – but. I don't know. I've, I've, so, so I have been a little critical about Schmidt not using the bench very much. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I've been that way is because Schmidt ha- had been in the preseason talking about like, oh, we've upgraded our bench. We've got better players. And I mm-hmm. see like we got one guy from Pitt, one guy from Wake Forest, A-10 programs, even though they've been donkey ass mm-hmm. for the better no part slouches, of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Although Wake Forest might make the tournament this year, but whatever. Yeah. The point is that, like, you have these transfers that come in and you're talking about the bench and then you don't use them at all, like yeah. at all, especially in the second half. I'm not saying you need to be giving Quadri Adams 15 minutes a game, but it's like, give them a break. Give the players a break. Like, you think, you, you know who the five best players on this team are. I agree who the five best players on this team are, but like, give them a little break. Like, in the like, bench, it's ridiculous. The bench minutes, like I think people are getting it confused, and they're thinking that our bench players aren't 
good enough to play against these teams. And they're like, what? What? They're not good enough to get in against Loyola or Coppin State or Canisius or Siena? Well, right. no, that's not it. They are good enough, but they're just not as good as the starters. And Schmidt plays the best players. So it's it's like Schmidt's going to play the best guys. The only time we've seen timeshares is when he doesn't really even know like who he's going to get more out of, like a Winston Planuta situation. Otherwise, and he's we haven't play even the best players. We haven't even talked about um, the fact that Linton Brown has been out since basically the UConn mm-hmm. game. Yeah, because he has been effectively the sixth man off the bench. Yeah. And while I think Quadri deserves to jump into that role because Linton's been out for, I guess, COVID-ish reasons, because it's not academic, so it's COVID reasons. Um, I hope he gets better and whatnot. Like, that's, that's another reason why you can't take this shit, you know, for granted. But like. I don't know. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Well, a lot of people have asked like, is Linton Brown still even on the team? Did he just leave? Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. He's shooting around the arena. He's on the bench. He's being enthusiastic. He is, which is great to see. Um, People may have thought it was like a, um, an Anthony Roberts type situation, but that's not it at all. Linton Brown is, is looks like he's still happy to be there. He's he's, you know, energized on the bench. He's cheering on his teammates. Um, he just hasn't, I don't, from what I've heard, he hasn't been cleared from COVID yet. So that tells me it's probably one of those heart test things that he has to get cleared yeah. for, but I don't know. Which for sure. if, it, if that's the case, I know we're, we're speculating out of our asses yeah. here, but like, if that's the case, like give him we, all the time in the world. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't care. I don't like in terms of him and his heart, like, I don't care about like us, right. you know, winning a tens or whatever. Let him, let him be better. Yeah, that's not something you mess around with at all. Um, nope. So hopefully nope. he gets better. I, I don't know. I don't know what it takes to get cleared. I, I have no idea how close he is, but um, hopefully he can at least be doing cardio and staying in shape. And pra- I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, um, but he is on the team. He's still he's still part of the team on the bench rooting on his guys. So, yeah. All right. Uh, would you rather go to jail for the amount of time it takes you to solve a Rubik's Cube? Or go to jail for one year and not get the chance to solve it. <laughs> oh, give me the year. I'm terrible at Rubik's Cubes. You think it would take you a year, over a year to solve it? Yeah. Wow. I don't know why. I just, I think. <laughs> is it that hard? I've never done one before. I don't know like what I, it is. Like, I every tried. time I tried to solve a Rubik's Cube, there would be like a row or two that were off. I'm like, yo, fuck this shit. I'm peeling the stickers off. It would get really frustrating, <laughs> but I feel like if I was in jail and I just had all day to do it, I could probably, I'm probably really bad at it. I okay. feel like I could figure it out in a couple of days. All right. Going forward, are we going to try to stay away from shooting threes since the formula yesterday seemed to work? We kind of touched on this. Um, and again, I don't know if it was a conscious decision or if it was something like, you know, if it was something Schmidt specifically put in the game plan. Um, I, the problem is when we get down in games, we feel like sometimes we have to shoot our way back into them instead of grinding it back out. Like we did against Clemson. Um, and I think one other game can't really remember off the top of my head right now, but you know, if we get down, we don't have to get, try to get them all back at once. Uh, cause then we'll just shoot ourselves out of games. 
Just keep grinding, doing the game plan. If you're open from three, take it. If it's a good shot, take it. If it's in the flow of the offense, take the three. And at the end of the game, look and see how many you took. Like you, it doesn't have to be a specific number that you're aiming for. If that's if they're giving you threes and you're open and you're feeling it, obviously take them. If not, then keep attacking the rim. Just depends. Um, yeah, the problem is we get too caught up in it because sometimes the guys get into this uh, NBA uh, mentality of the game, and I don't mean like this in yeah. a uh, oh the NBA is terrible, blah blah blah. Like, oh, the college game is better to guy. No, I don't mean that. But what I mean is that, like, the game flow is different because you only have 40 minutes as opposed to 48. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have more opportunities to just chuck up threes. Yeah. And so they've been getting into that mentality this season, which is not good for college basketball because you only have 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, let's see. Do we have one more or two more? Are you looking at the list? Hypothetical trade deadline deals in the Atlantic 10. I like this <laughs> question a lot. This is pretty niche, niche, however you pronounce it. Niche, 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 right, niche. niche. Uh, when I see a question like this, I immediately want to make a trade between two bitter rivals to piss off their fan bases. Because <laughs> I know if someone was like, Hey man, we're, uh, we're going to trade Adaway and we're going to give you some guy from Duquesne or two guys from, <laughs> I would be like, dude, screw you. I'm like, that's worthy of punching you in the face. But I want to, I immediately wanted to go to Richmond and VCU. I want to make a trade with those guys. Mm. Um, and it actually worked out. I think we got to we got to ask um, some of our friends from from down in Virginia. But VCU, great defensively, pretty damn bad offensively. They cannot score. They need offense. Yeah. Bad Richmond seems like the exact opposite. They are softer than puppy shit. They <laughs> pretty much. I mean they they're very good offensively, but they're just. They're really soft. So Richmond needs some toughness. They need some grit. They need someone who's going to D up and get in your face. And VCU needs some offense. So my trade, Richmond is sending Tyler Burton to VCU. VCU is giving up freshman guard Jaden Nunn and junior forward Hassan Ward. And I think they should give up the rights to like the 2006 – NCAA or 2007 NCAA tournament for that. Because <laughs> uh, Tyler Burton's awesome, but I don't think Tyler Burton is leading VCU twenty tournament by himself. Well, VCU fans think that they're on their way to getting an at-large bid. If they want to make that push, they need some offense, and Tyler Burton could be that guy to give them offense. VCU got to give up your freshman guard and Hassan Ward, though, um, and maybe Richmond can get get some toughness in there. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Did VCU Tori move to North Korea? Oh, we have more. Did no, she move to no. North Korea? Is not nearly far enough. Yeah, she crazy probably enough. thinks. Uh, she probably thinks uh, Kim Jong Un is uh, too more too much of a moderate. Um, I'm trying to scroll through. That might be it. We haven't touched about. Um, oh wait, we got one just a minute ago. Captain Beer versus Captain America. Oh, I didn't see that one. Captain Beer versus Captain America. 
Captain yeah. Beer, uh, trick question. Captain Beer is Captain America. I will say I I will take Captain Beer over Captain America because beer was not invented in America. And America is on its downslope and it's about to collapse. So spoken like someone Beer- who just watched <laughs> the US men's national team. <laughs> hey man, we're we're still okay to qualify. So I don't know a damn thing about it, so I'm glad that they are still alive. To All I'm saying is the United States of America will probably <laughs> collapse way earlier than the idea of beer will collapse. Beer you, existed before the United States of America, and beer will exist after the United States of America. That's probably true. That's probably yeah. true. <laughs> um, if you could bring one player back to our bench, who would it be and why? It has to be someone who transferred out in the last four years. Who transferred out? Not just who In the graduated. last four years? Oh, well, Brockington. Back to our bench. I mean, Isaiah Brockington. Well, I think because, he means... like, The dude like scores 20 points blindfolded for Iowa State. Yeah. he. I think he means um, a bench player. Who oh, a bench out. player? So like Vasquez, Winston. Oh, give me Tariq Coburn. I want Tariq Coburn. Oh yeah, back. that's a good one. That's. A good I one. want him back. Like was that, I mean, that, was he hasn't exactly like torched the world for uh, Hofstra, but like he's been decent. Give me. Coburn I want. Back. Um, I want. Let's see. Ooh. Guards. Maybe a backup or actually a power four. For, a power four. Yeah, a back, power four. A, a backup four probably. So yeah, I, yeah. Give me, give me Winston back. Like I. Yeah, I, I feel like he could give us some good, good minutes off the bench. Some that some always head struck scratching me as ones too, but also some good ones maybe. And if he, it always, if he, oh, go ahead. I was say it always struck me as weird as how he left so quickly. Yeah, I love Winston, so I agree with you. Yeah, but go I ahead. Take, I would take him. Um, Vasquez maybe a close second. Um, yeah, but you can find a good guard dime a dozen. So as right. much as I love Vasquez, and yeah, that's kind of the okay. Linton Brown role anyway. Yep, so we covered all your Bonnie's questions. I hope that we get a lot of them answered through us winning, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening to us here on SBN Furled and Friends, at SBN Furled for actual knowledge, at X for God knows what. And then make sure you uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, not Spotify. Fuck Spotify, fuck Joe Rogan, um, but all the other podcast platforms other than Spotify. Please subscribe to us and rate us. And thank you so much for listening to us. Wonderful hour.